everybody. This is John from the Geeks from the Multiverse podcast. Today is episode three, and again with me is Matt. What's up? Awesome. So thank you all for listening and following, as well as sharing this podcast out. We cannot do this without your guys' support. So Matt, what is today's episode? So today actually is part two of last week's episode. If you listened to last week's episode, it was video game adaptations to movies. And we talked specifically about those movies that were failures. And I do want to preface this, John, a little bit for our listeners, because of the list of movies, there really isn't one that we feel is 100% successful, right? Absolutely. And this week's episode is really focusing on the movies that we feel are successful in their mission to adapt a video game to a movie and not necessarily, I think, how successful it did in the box office or how well it did in sales. Because those statistics aren't necessarily a measurement stick of how well it did telling the story of the actual video game. Right. Right. So... Without too much talking, let's get this thing started. So let's get geeky. All right, Matt. So I have a very interesting article that I know you and I talked about a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to dive right into it. So what it is is it's about Hogwarts Legacy, okay, and how people are behind the idea to boycott the game since it is based on the writings of J.K. Rowling and her past comments on the LGBTQIA plus community, okay? So when this was actually going on, I had no idea previously when it came to, let's say, the comments that J.K. Rowling has done in the past, right? But <clears throat> again, I don't condone any behavior. I'm not – I'm just kind of a neutral party in this, okay? Just like I would assume you would be. Right. So, yep. you know, I played the game, okay? I – I don't mind it at all. I think it's a great game for what it is. If it's just introducing the, the world and, you know, you can create a character and kind of go into, you know, play as different houses, whether you're Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, whatever, right? So, you know, does that make me dislike the game? No. I, I never, you know, when it comes to this article, I never said that, oh, I'm going to not like this game because of what's going on. It's just, again, I played the game, had no idea this was going on at the time. But what I do find interesting is that this game, which I know a lot of games, depending on, you know, if you're a full-time gamer or a part-time gamer or whatever, right, they don't usually introduce a lot of trans, you know, gender people into a game. Right. And so I thought it was interesting when they did that, and I thought it was a really unique I guess, concept, you know, and I, and I was, you know, kind of curious myself when it came to if they had more games like this, but to kind of dive right in, Matt. So what are your thoughts on this? Like, is this, you know, a game where it's, I guess, basically really hard to, you know, get behind, or is this a game that, you know, when it comes down to, how they're doing it if they're you know say boycotting the game is this something that is i'm not saying justified but like is is what they're doing 
I guess, right. I guess if you want to say. Society being what its current state is today, there, this topic is very sensitive. So we obviously, you know, John and I want to keep things very neutral, not siding with one side or the other. And I think if people are going to boycott the game, it's their own choice, right? Like, Absolutely. If, yeah. if they're going to boycott the game, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Boycotting one game probably isn't going to make or break the game. But I will say that this particular group, like the LGBTQ community, isn't the only community to boycott, you know, Harry Potter or J.K. Rowling in general. You know, people of faith, you know, Christian faith or Catholic faith, and, you know, have boycotted Harry Potter for years based on, you know, witchcraft and sorcery. Right. No, I, I, I could agree with that statement. So it's not the first time this type of thing has happened with a different type of community. More of a controversy style for this boycott. But what I would say for anybody who's really looking to boycott this game is do your research. Don't take somebody else's word. Don't look at a news story and make that snap judgment call. Do your own research. Look up the information for yourself and make your best judgment because that's going to tell you if you're offended by it, don't play the game. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. If, if there's a game that I, you know, comes out that I don't agree with, I'm simply not going to play it. Right. And I agree that when you're looking at a game and you're trying to make that judgment call, right? So you're right. Doing the research, understanding what is being said, and actually whether or not you do play a game or not, I mean, really, it's your own choice. It's, it's your own interpretation, your, perspe- your sorry, perception. Uh, I just think that when people look at this, it's, it is a difficult um, topic as itself. But I think that when it comes down to, you know, the statements and, and how, you know, people are viewing this, I mean, I think you have to realize, too, that, like, you know, Matt was saying, like, that she wasn't particularly in this game, like, meaning she was helping writing the story helping the development of right she had the, no the part thing. in the creation she had no part in the development no part in the characters no part in the plot or the script anything the only thing that this game has in connection with her is that it's in the wizarding world of harry potter that's the only part it, that it has in connection right and i and i think that if you do look at this game for what it is i mean i can tell you visually speaking it's phenomenal like there are definitely some bugs and different things because it's still brand new but it's still a game that i think can do really well um when it comes down to like i think they were talking about trying to do like a dlc but unfortunately they're probably not going to do it for like uh quidditch quidditch was a big thing that people were like oh man i really want to play it and you know you get to fly around on a broom and you you know fly different mythical monsters that you you know you find throughout the game but it it's, in my opinion, if you're just playing it for the first time, you've never seen Harry Potter, you haven't done all that. Honestly, it looks amazing. It plays amazing. Um, it's definitely a game that 
I could see a lot of people getting, you know, really sucked into the game and actually just the world itself. But I know, like I've shown Matt the game, but I know he hasn't played it. But um, it's it's definitely one that I could see why, you know, maybe some people might not agree with it, depending on your your standpoints and your beliefs and how, you know, you may view the Wizarding World as itself. But if you're just kind of going in neutral, again, like Matt was saying, you, you know, do the research, figure it out if that's something you want to do. And if you don't want to play it, then just simply don't play it. You know, there's no reason to right to do that right um but yeah no i think so to i mean to touch on one of your last points um i i did do a little bit of research into some games that may have had other transgender characters or featured transgender characters okay and i'm actually quite curious to hear this and not surprising there's not a lot of them right i, I, I think in the future there will be but historically, there's not a whole lot. Okay. So the very first one, and two of these I haven't played, one of these I haven't played in years. But the first one, Cyberpunk. Okay. I, I played a little bit of it. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, there's a character named V. And in character creation, or character creator, rather, there's an option that allows you to pick transgender or non-binary. Okay, which is a unique feature. Most games don't do that most right. of the time. And in The Last of Us 2, there's a character who, uh, her name is Lev, or his name is Lev, who is transgender in the game. Okay, and I mean, I remember playing Last of Us, you know, part two, but I actually, I kind of wish I would have replayed it before, you know, this episode, but I, it would have been interesting to kind of, see how they did it in in the game, you know, and how they portrayed the character, right? Because yeah. like you said, there's not too many and it'd be interesting to you know kind of kind of see how they, you know, transpired the story around even this character and, you know, character progression and whatnot, but the last one is surprising cuz I actually don't know who this character is hmm. to to be honest with you. Um, but it comes from Super Mario Brothers 2. See, and <laughs> just because <laughs> the sole fact that this game came out, what? It was like in the late 80s? It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was yeah. It was quite a bit, yes. <laughs> um, so the character's name is Birdo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and the character was a male who wanted to be a female in the game. Okay. And in later versions, it was omitted. Ah. So okay. in the earlier versions, when it first came out, this is that's what the character, the character was in the game, and that's what it, that's what it was. Later versions, that part of the story was omitted. So, Birdo might be in the game, but that part of the story was changed. So, what I find interesting is that they haven't brought up this character even in, like, future, you know, games that have come out. So, like, even the Super Mario Brothers 3 or even, like, Super Mario Party or the, you know, racing, you know, right. games that they have and all that. But I'm surprised that they haven't brought forward this character, especially from... You know, like we said, like late late eighties, really, or I would assume I can't remember exactly when, but you know, to bring in that character now, I think it would be, I think it would be interesting to kind of bring it into like the the Super Mario Party, the racing, you know, and all that other you know fun jazz that they do. But you're right. I wish that I feel, you know, with with games and developers that they should look at, um, 
kind of doing some unique taste on that, you know, and I think, you know, he would probably be a good example of one that should be brought back, if anything. But yeah, I've never heard of him before, you know, actually looking into it. Um, and I find it interesting, you know, Super, Super Mario Brothers 2 would feature, you know, a, a transgender character being the, the year that it came out. Not that it's surprising that it would feature one. Right. But the year that it came out. Right, because, I mean, it, and especially during, like, the late 80s and everything else, like, they don't they do not do those kinds of things normally. That was never really unheard of. Or, sorry, it was unheard of to really bring in a, a character like that. But, you know, nowadays it's it's kind of, it's seeming like it's more streamlined. And I, I think they're trying to, to do that, be more diverse and yeah. bring with the you It's know, more culture. in mainstream society than it was in the late 80s. Right. So... Matt, when it comes to today's topic, right? So I know we're talking about the successful video game adaptations, right? So I know that you and I have some very <laughs> different choices, right? And I know that with, you know, how we view certain things, right? We've already established that, you know, I'm younger than Matt. You know, he's older than me, so on and so forth. So our perception is going to be different, right? So, yeah. you know, I'm curious, Matt, what is your number one? Like, what is your number one? Well, I think before, before we get there, though, I, I think, like we said kind of in the, in the start of the show, you know, there, there's not a lot of successful adaptations. And in the last episode, you know, we kind of do go into explaining why we think that is. And, and I, it's really, I think, the lack of studios that, really connect with the source material from the games. Yeah. But I think you look at some of the very early on adaptations, even even some of the newer ones. Right. Um, they're only looking really at adding elements from the game and not so much of the story elements because they're looking at creating a new story if they had to add new characters or if they change the characters in some sort of way. Um, and that's what they're kind of looking at. You know, you look at a movie like Doom, which had Dwayne Johnson. Okay, yeah, a very successful actor. The most redeeming part of that movie was the, the maybe 10, 12 minutes it went to first person. Which I, I know in the game itself especially back in the 90s, like, it was based on a first-person, you know, view. And then when you're, like you were just saying, man, like, having a, you know, being only for, like, 10 minutes, like, hey, here's a first-person view, and then all of a sudden it just switches back to what, like, third-person, basically, looking at the whole, you know, picture. You're not getting the real sense of the, the real source material of the game, and it's not really genuine, right? Yeah. I think that's really what and we're that, doing. And that movie was more about adding in elements from the game than it was telling the story of the game. And that's why a movie like that and many, many others that are on that list are not really good adaptations because they're only really focused on those elements other than telling a really solid story like the video game already does. Right. But So... My very first one, and really the, the census of 
my first pick is that this, as far as movies go, uh, I'm not touching TV shows until we get to episode four. Right. As far as movies go, the census so far is that this one is the best of okay. the movies so, that have come out thus far. So, in your opinion, they're the best. Not so just far. in my opinion. This is just re- like movie reviews from not c- movie critics, but just people in general. Okay, so the general public. So that's good because, you know, when you look at like Rotten Tomatoes, like, you know, how it goes from like zero to 100, right? Right. Where was it at on the scale? Do you remember? I didn't look at Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I was just curious. I yeah. didn't know if it, you know, if it was, if it did well or if it was like, eh, like right in the middle or something. I actually didn't look at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I did look at like people reviews. Okay. Well, no, um, I, I, I'd rather yeah. hear genuine thoughts on this. And so. the census of that, it was one of the best adaptations thus far. Okay. Um, and the game isn't like, you know, it's not an older game. It's not, you know, a, a PlayStation or Xbox um, game. So where it's, did this game come from originally? It's a VR oh, game. Okay. And it's if you guys are gamers, you'll know what a Mafia-style game is. Right. I do. But if yes. you don't know what a Mafia-style game is, I'll give you an example. A Mafia-style game is like Among Us. Okay. Yep. Where... You basically have a group of characters who are trying to figure out who is either the killer or who is, like, in this game in particular, the game is Werewolves Within. So this game is, you play as a group of people in this medieval town, and you sit around this table... And the whole game is about communication. It's the nonverbal communication. Um, because it's in VR, you can actually see everybody that's seated around the table. Um, this game features a whisper feature. So when you look at the person who's sitting next to you, you can actually lean over and use your controller and whisper directly to them because you're talking through a headset. So... You basically, like Among Us, like you have to kind of fight for yourself and be like, I'm not the werewolf because I'm doing this and I, you know, I'm fighting for this. And, I, you know, you have to fight for the character that you're playing. And that's the whole premise of the game. You're basically just sitting around this table. You're not doing anything else, but you're, it's kind of like town hall kind of forum type of game. So with the game, right? So, Kind of like Among Us, right? So you're, you know, you're with a group of people. You're trying to, you know, figure out who is basically killing all the other characters without revealing who the killer is. Right. Somebody in this town is a werewolf. Okay. And everybody that's sitting around this table is part of the town. So the whole part of the game is you're trying to narrow down who is this werewolf. Okay. So what about the movie with the video game, like how does it actually give good source, you know, material when it comes to like the adaptation of the movie? So that's where this movie is very interesting because the game doesn't really have a, a whole lot of backstory other than the fact that, you know, yes, it is a medieval town and all the characters 
are interesting enough. You know, you, when you watch like certain YouTube videos of people playing, characters are very distinct looking. In the movie, every single character is very, very unique. Okay. So, so like, what, what would be the unique features out of curiosity? Yeah, like one's a mailman. The main, the, one of the main characters is a, is a rain, like a forest ranger. Hmm. Um, you know, you have a oil drilling, you know, tycoon, um, the kind of outback rugged animal skin wearing hunter. So every character kind of has like their little niche. Like you have the really annoying neighbors with the little yapping dog. So like every character has like their little funny niche. And of course this movie is a horror comedy, so it's not horror and it's not comedy. It's kind of, it's like both. So they're all funny and quirky. And so you can kind of connect with each, every single personality. Like you can kind of understand like each personality. Oh, like, oh, this guy's this, this guy's that, this guy's this. So it's kind of random, but it, it also kind of reminds me of like, if you like the board game clue, like, it's it, very it's similar like, to like that. Like a yes. very serious tone. But like, if you played among us, you know, it's, it's kind of like that comedy relief in some ways where, you know, you're trying to... It's more humorous, yeah. yeah you're trying yeah. to figure out who it is, and you're not really, like, saying, oh, it was me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually helping out this other guy. But really, you were stabbing your partner, <laughs> you know? So I feel like that's where I kind of see where this movie's going. But, um, but yeah, go ahead. So in, in particular, you know, there is, a, there is a set of scenes where they are actually sitting at a table. Yeah. And they are actually accusing each other of being the killer. Hmm. Um. Which is actually pretty, you know, pretty funny when you think of this being a, mo you know, video game adaptation. There's a set of scenes where they're doing this, so you're like, "Wow, this is kind of cool!" Like they're actually doing it in, you know, in this movie. Um, the acting is really good, and for what it's worth, like this movie is actually pretty good. I, I mean, personally, I, I know you and we, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, the movie a little bit, but I'm actually curious to watch it now because. You know, just hearing about it, like if it, if it really did that well from other people, you know, I would be really intrigued to, you know, see how well it did, you know, and, and actually, you know, probably even play the game with you one of these days and just see how, you know, match up it does. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk about my first one. So the first one I did, <laughs> I know Matt probably may disagree with me on this, but so a, a newer movie. Right, so PlayStation recently has been doing like, of course, TV shows like The Last of Us and stuff like that, and they've also been doing certain movies. So one game that came out uh, a long time ago, well, I would say in the last 15 years or so, was Uncharted. Okay, so in PlayStation, I would say it's considered one of the top ten, and just from my personal opinion, I'm not saying for everybody, but this is just me. So Uncharted. The game itself is your your guy named Nathan Drake. Okay, he's a treasure hunter, and he's you you know your partners with uh, Sully, who's this older gentleman, but he meets him as a kid. But basically, the premise of the game is you know you're going through um, trying to figure out where these tr like uh, important treasures in history are. So the first one, if I'm not mistaken, was based on his his like lost or his like great 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 uncle. You know, um, 
I'm trying to remember the exact <laughs> name of the character, but it, that's not important. But the, the, the point and the premise is, is that he's basically a treasure hunter. You do puzzles. There's like little different mini games with inside of it. A lot of action, a lot of different sequences in the game. Um, they came out with four Uncharted. There was one spinoff that they did. But they they made the movie, I think, 2022 is what I remember. And so they used um, Mark Wahlberg as Sully. And they used... I'm drawing a blank here. Help me, Matt. Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Holland. My God. I, yep. I don't know why. I just had a brain fart. Sorry. So you had Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, and you had you know Mark Wahlberg as Sully. And you bring in this other character, Chloe. I honestly can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head. But basically, they use a lot of the, I would say, probably the first game. And then they would use the the fourth game that came out. And so they're, they're definitely tying in a lot of the the video game references and actually the um, the voice actor that played Nathan Drake in the original series in the video game actually shows up um, as a, like a little cameo real quick, um, which I thought was really interesting to kind of do that because normally a lot of those games and like movies wise, they don't normally have like the actual video game like actor to come in. But it was a movie, in my opinion, you know, it, it definitely had a lot of good references, but there was definitely some, you know, changes to the story. There was some things that, you know, it, it made it unique as, in its own right. But I think overall, I think it did a really great job with, you know, how they could tie in the game and how they can tie in the characters. Because they didn't really change much of the story. They actually tried to use, from the fourth game, you know, the, how Nathan Drake became who he was. And how, you know, Sully met with him when he was a young kid, you know. And then I think it was, like, in the second game where he meets Chloe. Um, but it was, like, they, they tied in a lot of different games into this one movie. And I'm hoping that they'll <laughs> maybe, you know, kind of st stick to one video game itself, like, in that series. But knowing them, they're probably not going to. They're going to kind of jump all over the place. So it's going to make the story a little confusing so if you do happen to ever play the games right it's definitely one that i would say is is a great series it's one of the ones that if you like the you know treasure hunt like kind of puzzle games has a little bit of like you know shooting and different like action sequences it kind of also reminds me of like last of us where it has like the little like movie scenes like in between so overall i think it did an amazing job but i'm Go ahead, Matt, because I know you've been looking at me this, this one, entire time. This one misses the mark for me. And it's because the story does skip around. Like, one, I don't know why you would choose Tom Holland, to be honest. I, I think that was probably a, a wrong casting choice. Mark Wahlberg, wrong casting choice all day. Okay. Um, but I don't understand, like, why you can't just do a video game adaptation with Uncharted and just stick to one video game story. Like why you have to pull different parts of the, of the different games into one story, because now you're making sequels or potential sequels that much more confusing where now you're going to have to make stuff up. Well, it's not really making the, you know, the story up. It, it's more, you know, yes. The, the problem with how they did it is that, 
you know, if they were just basing it off, like, let's say the last game that they just, you know, came out with, then you'd also have to bring in, you know, everybody, you know, from that game itself and then, like, tell the story from that perspective, which in the games, yes, it, it doesn't really go in sequential order because technically in the beginning of the fourth game when you're meeting, you know, you're basically seeing who Nathan Drake was and his brother kind of, to- you know, tying in the story, like – Unfortunately, you couldn't have done that in the first game, which I don't know why. I don't know why they did it like that, but they decided to do it at the very end or the be- or very beginning of the first, you know, the the last game that came out. But I can agree that, you know, maybe the acting or like the actors in particular, like the choices, the casting. Ideally, it's hard. Like it's it's hard to get somewhere right in between, right? Because you could. You could try to find somebody that was, you know, let's say 20, 25-ish in that realm, like in the beginning of, like, the movie. But realistically, and you know why. I mean, Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, they're famous Oh, actors, I know why. You need to sell yeah, movies. Need, right. And so you need to find these <laughs> actors who are going to do that. And so, of course, they're going to choose people like that because they're uh, – yeah. unfortunately, they're not going to go off the street and be like, hey, come here. You look like him. Let me, let me put you in this movie. But it's – like I said, overall, I think they, they did a good job. But, yes, it can get confusing if you don't know the story. That's the only problem. Yeah, it just it misses the mark for me. And it's it's for me, Uncharted is in that same category of Resident Evil. It, it's going to fall in that same category because Resident Evil did the same thing where you start Resident Evil with the first game. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the game, you've already hit parts of the story that are from Resident Evil 2 and then Resident Evil 4. And so now when you do another Resident Evil movie, you have to continue the story with other Resident Evil games. And by the time you come up with Resident Evil 3, 4, 5, you're out of source material because you've already skipped over so much plot from the first game, the second game, the third game that you can't go back to those because now you're telling a whole new story. You know what I mean? Right. So with Uncharted, when you, when you skip over those story parts, and I understand where you're going from. Like the games may not have said like the whole story from when you play the first game to the fourth game where the fourth game might tell a story from the first game. But when you're telling that story from Uncharted – and you're taking this part from one, and you're taking this part from four, and you're taking this part from the third game. It doesn't really, like, you, you do a sequel. Now, you try to pull something from the first game, it almost has to be a flashback, or it has to be something that's extra. And it's much harder to do that unless you're creating a newer story that doesn't already exist, or you're creating a new character or you're creating something that's not in the games. I mean, if you take, you know, let's say, like I said, the first game and you take some parts of the like fourth game, right? If you're not, you know, taking the whole story from both, right? There's still things you can add, you know, into the game and or to the movie itself, like sequels and things like that. But I can agree that, you know, it is going to be harder, you know, doing flashbacks, doing like introducing different characters because it's, it can get confusing. Right. So like, I'm going to use a bad example here, but um, like X-Men, right. It is one of the most confusing 
timeline stories you can ever watch. And I trust me, if if you know Marvel, great. Guess what? If you don't know it, I would not recommend watching it because it, it is it goes way back and forth all the time. But hopefully it doesn't get to that point, right? Where you know you're you're telling so many different stories and then you're trying to combine them and then it just becomes a, a jumbled mess and you have to reboot and you have to do all this, which I'm praying that they're not going to do that. But I get what you're saying. Like, it, it can definitely yeah. get that confusing. So, yeah. So the next couple we've actually talked about in the last episode. <laughs> and I'm, re- I'm re-bringing them up. Oh, great. Here we go. Because debate. <laughs> because, one... I still think, and people from my generation, Generation oh. X. Okay, hold on, just so I'm clear. Your generation. My sorry. generation. Yeah. Mortal Kombat from 1995 is still a cult classic. It will always be a cult classic because it, it was the first live action of Mortal Kombat. And when you see, you know, like I said before, when you see Scorpion and you see Sub-Zero and many others from that game, it was the very first time like you get to see them doing what they're doing as real people. So, yes, to me, Mortal Kombat will always be one of the best, just in that aspect. Is it cheesy? Yeah. But I, you know what? I'm a geek. I don't care. I like cheesy. So, bring the cheese. Bring me Mortal Kombat. I love it. It's it's still great to me. For me, it's iconic. The Mortal Kombat theme. It's it's freaking legendary, dude. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I I don't know, man. I I I love this movie. Like I could watch it back to back all day long. So what I'm hearing is is you can bring in like a huge tub of nacho cheese and just start guggling like it's no tomorrow while watching this movie and be like this is amazing man this like as you just said you like cheese so i figured i'll do that for you man you know as as cheesy as goro looks you know as 90s acting as this movie like is um the fact of the matter is like this was the very first time and i'm not talking about you know, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I'm talking 1995 Mortal Kombat, the very first one. The sequel is what it is, but the very first Mortal Kombat. It's to me, it's it's just that iconic Mortal Kombat, and it's it's just a classic. Like I said, like the very first time you see those characters on the live screen, you go to a theater and you're watching them. It's, it's like magic. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing it in a theater and you're like, I've, I just got done playing these characters on my TV and now I can see them. Like I can see sub zero blasting that guy into an ice cube and then demolishing him. So, like I said, I, I can agree that, you know, the, the, the soundtrack. Okay. It is legendary, it's iconic, and they have, you know, used it in so many, you know, different adaptations of different things. But I think, like I've said, (laughs) you know, you can have your opinion, I can have mine, but like you said, you like cheesy, that's fine. You know, I'll, I could debate that all day long, but when we were just talking about earlier with the whole 
perception, interpretation of movies, you know, again, different eras, different generations, right? You're going to have your own opinion on this. So, again, I'm going to stick to mine. You're going to stick to yours, right? right? So my – let me get to the other one because the other one is also Mortal Kombat. So before before we move on, oh, the, okay. the other one is also Mortal Kombat. Um, and it's kind of a close second because it's the newest version – and I think that that's why it's it's it pushes the bar a little bit further for me. It pushes that bar a little bit further because the story between Sub Zero and Scorpion was just a little bit better than that original Mortal Kombat. Um, it it told the story better. The movie featured fatalities that you would see in the game. Yeah, they that's- didn't call them fatalities in the movie, but when you're watching it. Like Sub Zero freezing Jack's arms, and then them breaking apart. Like that's a fatality that's in Mortal Kombat. Right. And you know you're watching these and they're you're like, oh my gosh, I did that fatality in Mortal Kombat. Like so that to me like was a really cool aspect. Um, Goro obviously looks better. So the one thing I was gonna ask was, so you because I know when the newer adaptations of video games right or when it comes to like the reboot right when it comes to mortal kombat uh 9 10 and 11 right so i would say the fatalities in that looked very similar to the like the newest movie especially because of the the, because they i don't know if they have a disclaimer on those games but like i know 10 and 11 like if you watch some of the fatalities, oh, like they're, they're awful. They're gory. Like they're yeah. they're bad. They go right inside the body, like, and you can see every like, little bone breaking. Like and it's, yeah, it gets yeah. it gets pretty messed up. But what's funny is when you just mentioned that Mortal Kombat, the newest one, was one of your you know in the top four of our list here. Mine was also that too. So at least we could agree on you know this because it's a movie that. The one thing I never understood, and I know you and I can agree, is literally they bring in this random character, this main character, yes, that had zero, like I don't even know why they brought him in. Like it they was a, changed the story too, and that's one yeah. of the things I don't like about the game is the whole story between Hanzo and Baihan. Yeah, was you know, um, Quan Chi, right? Quan Chi, yep, was the one who went after Hanzo's. Um, and I had I had their name right at the top of my head, and I just lost it. Um, but their clan, you're talking about the the Saikao Ryu, I believe. Yeah, the, yeah. the Ryu. Um, right, yeah, and then you have the Quan Chi went after their clan, but as Sub Zero's clan, mm-hmm. um, the Lin Kwai, I believe, is there. Yeah, I think it's the Lin Kwai. Yeah. Um, and or like killed Hanzo. And then whispered, you know, basically that he, you know, he should get revenge on on Baihan and yeah, and and all that. But in the newer movie, they added in Hanzo having not just one kid, but he had two kids. Right. And his wife hid the other kid in a floorboard, and then so the newer Mortal Kombat had a brand new character who was a, an ancestor of Hanzo. Right, which that was the main character. And that was the main character. Which I, I still think that it's it's kind of weird. 
It that, is weird because like if you're because that's the, the the difference in the story, and that's why I get that you know they're like oh we're gonna try to make it cooler or whatever, but like when you add in this random character, it's not really following the the real source story behind like the first you know through however many you know they of course they've done i can't remember exactly how many but um you know looking at the movie though i mean visual effects the visual (laughs) effects are good and this new character kills goro in like five minutes um which normally it would take like a lot longer than five minutes but yeah Uh, but you know one thing to be said that goro did look better in this movie obviously because of cgi Mm -hmm. um but he he only had a short set of scenes. Like you only saw him in a short set of scenes because he was killed almost right away. Right. And so I... it it's really lame when you think about a character like Goro who's really, you know, yes, he's a villain. Yes, we should hate Goro, but I want to see what Goro can do. Yeah, I want to see the capabilities this guy can do. And we never got to see it because Han, like Hanzo's ancestor killed him. Yeah, that quickly. Yeah. In like five ten minutes, what I thought was interesting too is like the the characters that they brought up. Like um, when it comes to like Sonya Jax, um, did they mention Johnny Cage? I'm trying to remember if they did or not. Right at the end, they showed a poster. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It was like a little like end credit scene. Yeah. Because um, I'm trying to remember. So you had. I literally just watched Mortal Kombat Legacies last night, so I'm, I'm pretty surprised that I can't even remember some of these people's names. I, I know who they are. Like, okay, Liu Kang, right? And his brother, well... Kung Lao. Kung Lao. Well, really not his brother, his... It was a monk, mentor, yeah. Mentor, yeah. So, like, those characters in the game, I know Kung Lao, like, it shows his actual, you know, his signature hat with the blade and everything, which was nice. Yep. So they had the interesting you know, character features to every single one of them. And it's especially like Jax, you know, with, with Sub-Zero yeah. getting his arms off and all of a sudden he's got this like bionic, you know, mechanical arms that literally heats up and it, you know, destroys somebody in like two seconds. They added elements from the game, which I absolutely, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when they do add elements from the game. But what I don't love is them adding elements from a game and not adding story from the game. No. And that's agree. what Mortal Kombat did was they added elements from the game, like the story between Sub-Zero and Scorpion and, you know, their their clans, that whole thing. Like, yeah, they added this, you know, child that was extra. But the whole story between, you know, Sonya and Jax and uh, Sang Soon and, you know, that whole thing thing that they did there right um raiden and all of that like they told a really cohesive mortal Kombat story changing very little but they also added a lot of elements that you really have to like almost kind of like rewatch the movie to look for right and that, i feel like that's a movie you could rewatch multiple times and see like new distinctive features that both you know have shown and looking at like some of the newer games if you played them like seeing those fatalities seeing the you know the different moves that they have and so forth like that that to me would be like something i'd look for especially if i watched it like let's say two three more times like oh okay i've seen that you know 
like you were just mentioning, like with Sub Zero and Jax. Like, okay, yeah, I could see that because I just did that, you know, in the game. But so I don't know about you, you uh, and you can comment after I make this comment. But already then, um, to me, like I think if studios out there and and directors, if they really want to make a successful adaptation from a video game. I really think like they just need to take the source material for the game itself. What the plot is, who the characters are really dive into like what makes this game and develop it into the movie. Because like you take a, a game like Skyrim, Right. Right. If I was going to take that and make it into a movie, I'm going to really want to know what's the plot of the what's the plot of the game? What's the story? Who are the characters? What makes it important? Studios right now, they'll take elements from the from the game. They'll take random story elements, but you'll see a Skyrim movie that will just have dragons and random knights in it. And they'll call it Skyrim, and it will have nothing to do with the game. Well, it's like they made a movie on, what was it, WoW, basically? Like, a little I few years ago. I haven't seen it, but I, yeah, like I've the, seen the cover. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know that it was also one of the, the games on the list, too, but it was, it was one of those games that, you know... If you play the game, great. You know, you, I mean, there's multiple expansions, things like that. But if you like, you're just basing yeah. it off of one movie, like, you're going to need like several movies to explain everything else. Like, it's, oh, it's not yeah, just I mean, Elder one. Scrolls in general, yeah. yeah, you would need several movies. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you really want to take a, if you really want a successful video game adaptation, you really have to like look at the video game and really dissect every piece of it to figure out like what this game is about and de- and develop that and not try to add new things to it unless it only drives the story of the game not your movie the game right and the next episode when we talk about the last of us this is i think where things are going to start to change. Because, honestly, I think this show changes the game as far as adaptations go. Which I can definitely agree with that. Absolutely. When you can play a game, and I've actually just started doing this, when you actually start to play The Last of Us, and then you start watching the show, and as you're playing, you're going... Whoa. Like, that was just on the episode. Like, that's the stuff that I, like, when I'm watching a TV show, that's the stuff, like, I was literally just in that moment playing this game. Right. And not that I don't want to dive into that more since, you know, we'll be talking about it We will be talking about it next episode, but when I'm watching a movie based on a video game, and I can't even think of the video game while I'm watching the movie, that's a problem. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, if you can't if you can't relate to what the game has done and yeah. the movie, like 
you're right. There is a problem, and clearly the marketing and the way you show the movie is definitely not something that should be done. Um, so the video game definitely should be the blueprint. I agree. Yeah. I, absolutely. Um, my third one, because, <laughs> you know, we're going to mention this now. I know Matt hasn't played, you know, Pokemon. Okay. Well, here we uh, go. Yeah, here we go. I know. Generational things. Gotta Sorry. catch them all. Gotta catch them all, baby. Uh, so this one is Detective Pikachu. Okay. I know if you've played the, you know, the games itself, does it really, does it use source material? I would say that, you know, the the Pokemon itself, like, it, they're really interesting. They're, it's really realistic. And it's it's quite surprising because when I watch the movie, you know, you see Mr. Mime, you see Charizard, you see, you know, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Pikachu. I mean, you see all these characters that you've seen in, like, the original series of, like, the TV show as well as even some of the games. Granted, like, just like, I would say just like uh, Super Mario Brothers, right? So it's all pixelated. But, like, it was a little pixelated back in the day. But, like, you get to see the characters for what they were, you know, but now on a big screen, which was nice. So I thought visually it was it was amazing. It was definitely um, a really great portrayal of these you know characters that you've seen. Now, granted, the movie you know is based on this kid whose dad is lost and he's trying to find you know his dad throughout the whole story. But he basically finds a talking Pikachu, <laughs> which I know it's a little weird because generally speaking, Pokemon do not talk at all, and they usually say, you know Pikachu's like. Pika, you know, and like, you know, does its little thing, right? So, you know, the movie had some interesting, you know, plot points on, you know, where they were going and how they were trying to, you know, find the missing dad, which ironically was, well, actually, I don't want to spoil that for you, but let's just say Pikachu's voice, if you listen to it, is literally the person they're trying to find. That's all I'm going to say. But it definitely, you know, looking at it, yeah. I would say movie-wise, like as a, as a story, yeah, it had to recreate certain aspects for sure. But I think it really, like if you're watching it for like nostalgia, like if you're watching like the, the characters, like the Pokemon characters itself, like it, it does an amazing job. And I think it, you know, unfortunately, it, it, if we're not basing it off of sales, then yeah, it, it definitely didn't do what it should have done. But um I think the movie itself, of course, has its, you know, has its little quirks, has its little things, but it had some comedic moments and it had, you know, some things that were interesting enough to, you know, keep you going. But I know, you know, like I said, Matt's probably not going to agree with me on, you know, this movie as well, because, you know, we just like to debate on everything. But um, again, my opinion, I think it, it did pretty well. But again, when we're mentioning the fact that a lot of these movies haven't done a whole I really haven't really like hit the mark you know this movie I would say is you know if I was rating it I would say it's probably about like a I'd say like 75 80 because there's definitely some things that need to be if like if, if anything it, it could change the story a little bit is really what I'm trying to get at um, but I'm gonna go into my last one real quick so the last one I had and I know <laughs> Matt's not going to agree with me at all. So, because I, I like choosing ones that Matt really doesn't like. So that way we can, you know, generationally speaking, like see how well he uh, reacts okay, to this. Here we go. So, the one 
that I chose. <laughs> He's already given me a smirk. I love it. So the one I chose was Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. So <laughs> oh boy. I know, I know. So the best part about this is it is extremely hard to take a character who was in a video game, just like Super Mario Brothers, right? That was, you know, pixelated majority of that. And then like, you know, or have some newer games that are, you know, more visually um, better than what it was before. But it was interesting because, and I know Matt knows this, but in the first movie, when they portrayed Sonic the Hedgehog, so this is one of the favorite things I like to talk about, is he actually did not <laughs> meet what he should have looked like, right? So he, he looked really stupid. And so the community was like, nah, we're not having this. This is stupid. You need to rethink the character. So the community was an outroar. Like they were just like, this is stupid. So they came back, I think a little while later, redesigned the character and actually made him look like what he was supposed to look like, which I thought was unique because most movies won't do that. But what I find interesting is, I'm going to bring up another movie, but so Chip and Dale, Rescue Adventures, right? So they, it was an old school you know, 90s cartoon, but they made a movie recently. And what I found funny about it, I mean, this movie is, <laughs> it's a Disney movie, but it, it definitely had some really adult humor. But anyways, they bring in a character called Ugly Sonic. And so, you know, what I found funny about it is that they didn't copyright the character and, you know, they brought him into the, to the movie and they were making fun of this guy the entire time. And I just thought it was funny how they, they brought in like, a stupid version of Sonic and they brought it into Disney and Disney was making fun of the character the entire time and was like, yeah. you know, Hey, this is, <laughs> this is an ugly Sonic. I, I don't know what you want from me, but here it is. So anyways, talking about the movie or both movies, really, I'll try to condense it here. So, you know, Sonic, you know, basically the premise of like the games itself is like, you're, you're collecting these chaos uh, gems. Right. And so he's on his home planet and, there's this owl who, you know, pushes him into the earth, you know, like a different universe, but really, you know, into the earth itself because they're part of a different like universe as itself. So, but the, the owl was really his maternal figure. And so anyways, he's trying to find a way to get back home. And so he meets this guy who's a, I believe a sheriff and, you know, they're trying to help him get back home. And, you know, they meet Dr. Robotnik, who was Jim Carrey, who I understand is probably not the the best choice for, you know, for that character. Um, but, you know, I think it, for in some ways, I think it really, you know, the first one and the second one, like the second one kind of bringing in Knuckles and some of the other characters. I thought it was unique how they brought in those characters you know, so far, I mean, they brought in Tails, they brought in Knuckles, Dr. Robotnik, you know, but, you know, bringing in like two random, you know, characters, like human characters to like bring them into the story. It was a little weird. It was definitely kind of a, a weird story moment. Like, okay, hey, we're going to, Sonic's just going to be chilling out this, like this guy's house basically, and just like lives there the entire time. And basically this guy's like, oh, you're my son. Okay, why don't you hang out up up in the attic and pretend like nobody's going to see that there's a, a running, like a super fast hedgehog running around like and nobody knows what it is. And so I could say that this movie as a whole, I think, 
again, I'm going to bring up visuals, but it definitely, I think it has done a lot better, you know, than trying to do like different characters that probably that were in that like same kind of realm where they're pixelated and stuff. It's, it's kind of hard to bring that up on the big screen. So I think they did a really good job with that. But yes, I, I can agree that I already know Matt's probably going to tell me that the story was kind of like what what is going on kind of a deal. But I think they they at least did a good job with, you know, bringing a character like that that's normally not supposed to be on the like reality kind of a thing, you know, kind of having that CGI effect. But I, I think they, they did a good job with that. So, but story, yeah, they, they could definitely do a lot better. But yeah, I, I think that's what I have, but unless it's, you have something else to say. I mean, it's tough when you have a game with a character that just runs. Yeah, is there a story in the game? Yeah, there's a story, but your character doesn't do anything other than speed run. I mean, okay, well... <laughs> you you know then... what I mean? So when you have this movie, you know, yes, they change the character, and does he look better? Yeah, he looks better, but you have to create a story for the movie. So and that's where the story, I think for me, like it does miss the mark for me because I think the story does fall short. If they made it more like futuristic and did something different, I think it would have been a little bit different, but I think it's only because of how they actually told the story and you don't actually see the way that Dr. Robotnik's technically supposed to look. Yeah. I mean, in, I, until yeah. the second game. So the one thing about it, though, is, you know, when you're taking the movie and like you just said, like looking at like Dr. Robotnik, I mean, this dude is like this really tall dude who basically has like really crazy hair, has a weird looking mustache, which in the in the second movie he does do that. But the problem is he also has a pot belly, which Jim Carrey, unless he's going right. to put on a fat suit, like he ain't going to look like it. But the one thing I wanted to mention real quick was if you're talking about speed running, right? In, a, in some ways, what was Super Mario about? Because that's almost identical in some ways. Because I understand that Sonic was Sega, right? And Nintendo was, you know, of course, Super Mario Brothers, right? But in the same sense, they they were doing almost identical. One was going after rings, and then another one was going after It was identical, stuff, but, but in Super Mario, you weren't speedrunning. It, si- it was side-scrolling, and you definitely no, but, but could, you could go for speedruns in Super Mario. But as Super Mario progressed... That side scrolling turned into different, you know, when you got to Super Mario Brothers 2, 3, Super Mario Party, like the game morphed into different things. No, and I agree. I can agree that, yes, they, they transformed the platform and, and how they portrayed right. Mario. But with Sonic, yes, yeah, you're right. Like, all he does is run. Like, it is Unless you go into the newer games where he's driving cars and. Or, you know, playing <laughs> tennis with, you know, with yeah. Mario or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think you, you try to tell them a cohesive story, and again, there's not a lot of source material, and you know you try to create a story, and the movie to me falls flat. But what they did with Sonic, I think studios don't do. So right. most of the time, like if fans didn't like it, most studios would have been like, you know what, tough. This is what. Sonic looks like in our movie. Right. And so the the fact that the community was like, hey, um, no, you're going to rethink this idea or we're not watching it. They're like, oh, sh- oh crap. Okay. So let's uh, let's yeah. re- go back to the drawing board and redo this. So I thought that was unique on how they 
that portrayed it and they actually, you know, listened to the community, which, you know, I know in like, I'm not going to go further into details, but like, you know, certain games, like, they're like, oh, this is what we're going to do. And you're like, uh, no, man, this is, no, that's, you need to rethink this idea. Now, some video game developers do actually listen, but you're right. There are quite a few that don't and they just say, here you go. Here's what it is. And you're like, well, all right. Just like we said before, we're not going to play the game. So have fun with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I think that's a pretty good list we got there. All right. So that does conclude our part two of the video game adaptation. So if you are listening and you do like this podcast, please consider giving us a like and sharing it out. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, as always, we are always humbled and you know, this is just an amazing experience being able to just, you know, talk about things that we like and being able to share, you know, our conversations and just getting it out there for you guys to listen to, you know, um, you know, we definitely don't do this for, you know, getting as many people to listen or, you know, trying to get, you know, internet famous or, or making in some kind of a, you know, income so we can quit our jobs. I mean, like, we're doing this for the absolute fun of doing this. You know what I mean? So, so. I'm going to say this. I don't know about, I mean, Matt, you could think whatever, but I mean, that's what I originally thought we were going to get like internet famous <laughs> and like, you know, quit our jobs and do all this stuff. I mean, granted, I would still do military, you know, stuff, but I, I'm not going to deny the fact that, you know, when it comes to doing this, I agree with Matt. Like we, we do do this out of our, I guess, kindness of our hearts and kind of, you know, share with you guys the different geek culture that we have. And, you know, we, we always love, you know, when you guys, I'm hoping at some point, will actually reach out to us because we do want to challenge you, right? We want you to guys to share, like, whatever it may be, but just get the word out there because in order for us to grow and for in order for us to, you know, kind of maybe expand your minds a little bit, you know, just on the different, you know, topics that we talk about, you know, I want people to to really challenge yourself. You know, like we want we want to hear from you. You know, we have our email. We have again Facebook. We have Reddit. You know, hell, you could go into Spotify and even drop like a little comment in there too, which I found out didn't know. But again, as always, you know, we're excited. We're you know our main mission is right is to unite all geeks, right? And so we want to make sure that. You know what we're what we're saying and what we're doing is hopefully stuff that you guys want to listen to. But again, challenge is this: reach out to us, let us know what you guys think, post ideas. We always want to hear them. You know, we'll at least consider them, right? I mean, we may not do every single one, right? But we we might do that in a future episode or something like that. So keep that in mind when you're, you know, reaching out to us. But again, again, we're gonna call you guys out. And we're going to make sure that, you know, we're going to be posting every week, right? And we're going to make sure that you guys, again, stay stay tuned for any episodes coming up. And, again, stay, stay geeky. geeky.